this is the Women in Diplomacy podcast, and I'm your host, Kelsey Supnicht. Welcome back to our second week of the Women at NATO series, where we are getting a glimpse into their work as they prepare for the 2016 Warsaw Summit. Next up is Ambassador Dragana Radulovic. In February 2015, she was appointed as head of mission of Montenegro to NATO. This is exciting to get to speak with Ambassador Radulovic because Montenegro is in the process of joining NATO. In December 2015, the Allies invited the country to begin Ascension talks, which then took place earlier this year. And in May 2016, Allied foreign ministers signed the Ascension Protocol for Montenegro. So this gives Montenegro invitee status, allowing its representatives to participate as observers in Allied meetings. From here, once all 28 Allies have ratified the Ascension Protocol, Montenegro can then continue to the Washington Treaty and become a full member of the Alliance, which will also confer upon Montenegro the same decision-making powers as all other Allies. So before she was appointed as head of the mission of Montenegro to NATO, She was working steadily in Montenegro's Ministry of Foreign Affairs and European Integration as Director of Security Policy. Having grown up in the war-torn Balkans, it's fascinating to hear the advice that she has for us as we pursue our own diplomatic careers. Can you tell us a bit about your job, your work, and your role at NATO? Well, as my title says, I'm the Ambassador of Montenegro to NATO, uh, which basically is a new almost NATO member. We were invited to join NATO in December last year. And uh, now we are in between membership, uh, full-fledged membership and observer status as, at this point that we have, which is a part of the technical process of, of joining the alliance until the technicalities are completed. So my job now is to observe what is happening in NATO, to organize the work of my mission and to report back home and basically prepare to have a successful membership hopefully sometime next year. Is it challenging to represent a quote-unquote new member nation? Uh, well, almost new, uh, but it is, of course it is. Uh, first of all, we are a small country, so by default our capacities are relatively limited uh, and there is a lot of work to do. So, and everything is new. So, of course, it's a challenge to, to, to catch up and to organize work in, in, in a way that we can uh, cover all the bases, so to, so to speak. But that's what's also ma- making it interesting. This is a very exciting period. This happens only once uh, in the history of any country of joining an international organization and starting for the first time. So, as much as it is exhausting in a way, it's also interesting and, and, and exciting. So, especially growing up in Montenegro during a formative time, can you share with us a little bit of your personal story? How did you come to be an ambassador? Did you always know you wanted to work in international relations? I don't think anyone in their childhood plans to do this. (laughs) Maybe some children have this dream, but I didn't. Uh, But the fact is that during my most formative years, when I was basically a teenager, Uh, We had war in the Western Balkans regions, Uh, not in Montenegro, luckily, but all over Montenegro, around Montenegro. And we suffered greatly uh, in practical terms due to that. So I guess early on, whether I liked it or not, I learned the value 
uh, the good and the bad sides of politics. So, so I guess in a way that kind of introduced me to this world, but that still doesn't mean that I ever planned to work uh, to work in something like this. I was I was studying uh, uh, literature, English literature in particular, so so I saw myself more in that in that line of work. But then it just happened. That uh, that I started working for the foreign ministry because I could speak English, and uh, that was the time. But not plenty of people could, so so. And I thought it would be a short-term uh, job and uh, just to try out, and that I wouldn't like it because it's uh, too constrained, too many constraints in working uh, official jobs. But then I fell in love with international relations and, in particular, in security policy. And one thing led for, to another, so now it's. Uh, 17 years almost that I've been doing this job uh, and slowly going through all the the steps uh, I became an ambassador uh, in the eight years ago yeah yes so tell me about some of the skills you think are most valuable especially if any young women out there are hoping to eventually be ambassadors one day well I think in any line of work patience uh, patience matters uh, recognizing the fact that there is always something to learn matters. And I really don't think it's gender-related as much as it's important uh, for, for any work if you want to make progress. So, I don't know, when I look back, I think uh, being willi willing to learn, being willing to work long hours, uh, being willing to, let's say, put aside all the problems that one faces uh, while working in, in any sort of uh, environment like this uh, but and, and focusing on what's really important, believing in what you are doing and what you are representing because you are representing uh, your country and uh, its interests. I think these, these are the most important uh, factors. Again, not so much related to gender as, as, as important for any person uh, trying to, 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 to progress in their career and in diplomacy in particular, I think also other than patience, uh, I think the, the feeling of, uh, of, uh, of mo moderation in, in, in the way you express things or you think is always a good thing. But again, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be firm in defending your interests and beliefs. Very great tips. Have you personally encountered challenges as a woman in this field um, and as a woman from your region? Well, yes, uh, not in terms that that uh, anyone had the problem uh, of, with saying or that I ever had someone saying, oh, you are a woman, so you cannot do something. Maybe they were thinking that, but no one ever said that. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, I've been dealing with security policy and NATO in particular, basically from the beginning of my career. And everyone found that a strange choice uh, because I'm a woman. Which was always strange to me because for me th th there is no uh, no gender uh, related decision on what you are interested in when it comes to politics or anything else. Uh, so so in that sense, uh, maybe a little bit of challenging was that people were a bit surprised that uh, that uh, that I'm dealing with this, and then even today in NATO there aren't so many women 
uh, dealing with uh, with NATO business or, or generally. Uh, but in Montenegro, actually, most of most of people that deal with the security issues are women. So it just happened that way. It wasn't the choice or a particular particular try by anyone. It was. It just happened that way. So I guess we are helping break the 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 notion that women are not interested in security and that it's more of a let's say it's men men's kind of interest. Indeed. And thank you for your work in that arena, because I think it is important and women are key to security goals. Absolutely. It's a completely different view, uh, I think, when you are a woman, which is not necessarily the right one, but it's a complementary one to the way men tend to think about security in general terms, of course. For our student listeners out there that are perhaps searching for a great thesis topic or that are interested in doing research that can be useful to the world. Do you have a topic in international relations, perhaps one that you've seen in your work that you feel needs more help, more data, more research at this moment in time? Well, uh, you know, being, uh, being, uh, being in NATO and dealing with the uh, security challenges uh, on daily basis, in, in, even in my personal experience growing up uh, and, and then at work, I would say uh, all the new uh, threats that we are all facing uh, require further you know, understanding and further work, be it that we are talking about cyber uh, threats that are gaining more and more uh, importance as, 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 as the information uh, culture is, is, is growing stronger, uh, be it what we call hybrid threats, the, the modern warfare where different sorts of uh, means being uh, non-military uh, means are used uh, to, to undermine security. So I would say those new threats is something that it's still a field that needs to be explored further. I'm curious about Syria and the refugee crisis. Is that an issue currently in NATO? Oh. Yes, of course. It's an issue everywhere. Uh, so NATO is is uh, uh, not directly or not a leader in 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 dealing with this issue, uh, but is also doing its share to help. Uh, NATO has a mission in the or operation in the Aegean uh, Sea that is helping uh, the the migration flows, which has been quite effective. Uh, and also, of course, uh, like everyone else. Uh, we are st we are finding new ways how to address this issue in a long long term, because it's not about just the number of refugees that come at certain moment. It's a problem of of uh, of, of the root problem, addressing the root problem of all of this. Are there any other stories about your work or your own personal experience that you'd like to share with the women of diplomacy audience? I think no no women, no woman should ever be hesitant in, in working on, on security issues, you know, because, you know, people don't expect you to do that. Uh, or, you know, they, they tell you it's more a job for men or, or guys club or whatever. I think uh, this is important, that, that, that it's understood that, that, that really there shouldn't be any reason uh, to, to not to have more women dealing with security issues. <laughs>